Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Jets fans. Want $50 off your next round of drinks? Try Tap RM. They deliver the drinks right to your door so you can skip the lines and trips to the liquor store. Discover new and exclusive drinks or shop for your favorites. Don't worry. They've got all the options for you. Order your first round at TapRM.com and get $50 off your first order using promo code Jets 50, $50 off $100 of beer. Not a bad deal. I would highly recommend it. I've done it. Connor's done it. Joe's gotten it. So make sure you go to taprm.com, use promo code Jets50, skip the lines, and get $50 off your first $100 worth of beer. $100 in beer for $50. Can't beat that. Now let's get into the pod. Setting up, looking downfield. He's going to heave a bomb for Corey Davis at the goal line. Into the end zone. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by special friend of the show and uh, and a, you know Jets Twitter uh, Jets Twitter legend Jake Asin. Jake, how you doing today? Fantastic, man. We're doing the home and home. You came on the YouTube channel earlier, and now I'm coming on the podcast. So uh, pleasure to be here. Well, it's exciting. It's exciting. There's a lot going on. Obviously, uh, recording this, um, you know, after we saw a pretty incredible, incredible Chiefs uh, Chiefs Bills game. It feels like we're going to be seeing that, um, you know, a bunch over the next uh, next five to ten years. I had. I was talking to a friend earlier about what uh you know what the over under on Mahomes Allen playoff games is. I think four and a half or five and a half might be uh might be the number. I don't know. I'm inclined to take the over. I feel like we saw Brady Manning every like two years. A lot of exciting football, obviously. We'll get into some Jets stuff, but a lot of things that almost kind of uh you know affect the Jets in a way, right? The Jets obviously being an AFC team with all these young quarterbacks. The Jets have their own young quarterback, obviously, but Mahomes and Allen, you know, 25, 26 years old, the Herberts, the Burroughs. Um, you know, Lamar, all these guys, obviously, you know, Lawrence and, and Wilson and guys like that. What were your takeaways from yesterday's games or the playoffs as a whole and how it affects the Jets, uh, the Jets rebuilding going forward? Yeah, I, to me, it just puts so much more emphasis on the need for Joe Douglas to surround Zach Wilson 
with playmakers. Like, look at the teams that are left. Look at that game yesterday between the Bills and the Chiefs. Great quarterbacks with special traits, but they have unbelievable weapons around them. Like, when you look at the Chiefs' weapons, the guys that you could just mention before you even get to, like, Clyde Edwards-Elair and Byron Pringle and all these guys that just make contested plays for Mahomes. And then, obviously, you got Kelsey and you got Hill and so on and so forth. But it starts with the weapons, man. You obviously need the quarterback. You need a quarterback with special traits, which is what Allen is. That's what Mahomes obviously has shown. You you look at Stafford and what he has done, Brady and what he has done. Yeah, these guys are great quarterbacks, but they're also phenomenally stacked with weapons. Like the Bengals are in the AFC championship game with a second-year quarterback. Obviously, Joe Burrow is great. He's a special talent. But Joe Burrow is also throwing at three 1,000-yard wide receivers, a stud tight end. He's got a great running back, and he won a game where he was sacked nine times. Why? Because when he needed to make a play, you knew he could make a play. That last play to put him in field goal range for McPherson, he found Jamar Chase, who got open, and he put the ball on the money. So you're watching these games, man, and it's just one of those you know realizations as a Jet fan that the only chance they have is to find out what Zach Wilson is. I like Zach Wilson. I think he's got some of those special traits you need to be an elite quarterback in this league. But whether he's good or not, we need to know right away. And the only way to know is by giving him as many weapons as possible and seeing how he does. Like, we can't fail this kid the way they failed to put enough weapons around Sam. Now, Sam ended up not working out. I don't think he's a good quarterback. But we were having legitimate conversations a year ago. Is it the coaching staff and the lack of weapons? Or was it the player? You can't be having those conversations after three years. So everything the Jets do, in my opinion, will has to be to give Zach Wilson as much help as possible for him to achieve his his potential. Yeah, it's it's just hard for me because right now it feels like there's, unfortunately, again, Twitter is there's no nuance ever, right? And it's you're always going to get uh, crazy takes one way or the other. But I don't think that the Jets need to go just offense or just defense. But I do think my in my opinion and people that I speak to and things like that, it feels like you buy defense. Um, you know, you draft defense day two, day three, unless, again, unless we talked about this in your show, but yes, if Kayvon Thibodeau's there, Aiden Hutchinson, although Aiden Hutchinson's, I think, pretty clearly going to go top two based on, you know, everyone thinking he's J.J. Watt or T.J. Watt, um, you know, and that's not, uh, whatever, that's not, whatever. But I do think, like, the, unless you get that premier edge rusher, I, I just think you need to go offense, and I think you need to be able to put your quarterback in a position to go punch for punch with anybody in the league and especially anyone. The AFC is stacked. And, you know, we saw a team, New England, great time of possession, elite coach, elite offensive line, elite defense, some good tight end weapons. Matt Jones pretty was solid as a rookie, actually played, you know, it wasn't very good in the Buffalo game, but it was, it was fine. It wasn't like he was a disaster. And then you got blown out by 40 points. Um, you know, the Bills' number one defense got torched for 600 yards last night. Um, outside of the Niners, who were in – zero sub zero degree temperatures and you know and if not for a couple of fumbles and you know green bay didn't play well and all these different things like outside the niners defense who's overachieving every other team is just this elite offense and they've got good defensive pieces that can make plays they they sack the quarterback and you know and they take the ball away but they're not like the number one rush defense the number one pass defense that's just not the way the nfl is built right now and the chiefs with the 27th ranked offense you know they they're fine. They're in the AFC title game and they're, they're a seven point favorite um, and they'll be favored the rest of the playoffs, no matter who they play. So I think the jets need to go offense and they need to be pretty, uh, pretty invested in, in kind of going after it again. If there's the edge rusher you want there, so I can see Salah, you know, 
going crazy to get that guy and um, then using the other three picks on, you know, potentially guard receiver and tight end or something of that nature. Um, what do you make of, you know, a lot of these different trade targets and, and names that are getting kind of floated from free agency in the, in, you know, in the trade market, whether it's a DJ Moore, a Calvin Ridley, a, um, Amari Cooper from a trade perspective, or even a Daniel Hunter, or it's, you know, free agent guys like, a, you know, Justin Reed, who we've talked about a bunch, you know, privately, um, you know, uh, Jesse Bates, who probably won't make it, Dalton Schultz. Like, where do you kind of stand on that trade and free agency market um, as we sit here, you know, uh, late January before uh, free agency and trades, they're going to kick off? I want the Jets to be as aggressive as possible in trying to fill as many needs in free agency to allow the draft to them, give them a plethora of options they could do to either get that edge or go out there and help Zach Wilson with better O-line player, better receivers. Like the guy I would love for them to sign in free agency would be Bates if he's there or Justin Reed. I just, I can't subscribe to the theory that the way to improve this team big pictures by taking a safety in Kyle Hamilton fourth overall I just I, I just I it's tough for me to to sit here and be on board if that's the strategy the Jets go with so I think free agency is huge for trying to improve this defense buying a bunch of really good defensive players but really you know you mentioned some wide receivers I mean if Mike Williams is available great go out and get him you know if you can somehow get Devontae Adams great go out there and get him but if we're being realistic I think maybe those guys you know aren't available and it probably comes in trade if the Jets improve a wide receiver sure if you could sell me on Amari Cooper I'll listen if you could sell me on Calvin Ridley and the mental health is okay great I'll listen to that but I think the reality is it's very tough to kind of picture the Jets making that type of move so I would would seemingly like to get that I, I kind of get the feeling a couple months out we still got a lot of time between now and, and April that they're going to try and fix the defense in free agency and then go offense in the draft and then plus if you nail the receiver pick let's say at 10 if it's Traylon Burks or Drake London or Garrett Wilson the cost control you have over that wide receiver for five years is huge. And I think Douglas is a guy that's going to value the the cost control of that type of position. So if they go wide receiver at 10, well, I'd be fully on board with it as long as they fix the defense in free agency before them. Yeah, I, I'm of the opinion. I mean, look, I think they could trade for a guy and there's no, there's no doubt about that. Um, if I had to kind of power rank for me right now, as it stands, I like Amari Cooper. I think he, would cost probably a two and a player or two and you know a day three pick his salary cap is is hit is no joke and again I don't it doesn't bother me that he I mean he's a pro bowler four of his seven years in the NFL he's an incredibly productive player he does go missing at times which makes me a bit nervous and like it feels like some of those late season road games I feel like he's a little invisible which if you're gonna play in the northeast like you can't be going missing late in the year um, the Ridley stuff is tough because I, I Connor made this point, um, on Badlands and I've heard this is from other people as well. If you're going to trade for Calvin Ridley, don't you just draft Garrett Wilson? Who's, you know, four or five years younger and you don't have to use the, you know, you don't have to take it. You don't have to pay Garrett Wilson for a while. Um, but again, I, you could I'll just do both. Um, you know, Thielen's a guy who, who actually kind of interests me. I know he's older than all these other guys, but he costs less And I also think like he kind of is, is a guy that like, you can just count for a hundred, you know, 80 to hundred catches a year and not really worry about again. Is I don't he know available how, though. The Vikings are in a weird spot. Like did the, it, I don't like, do you blow it up and just kind of build around Jefferson cook and try to get a new court? I mean, cause like, or do you just kind of ride it out for this year and hope that Rogers retires and the Packers fall and you kind of take the division like two years ago or last year, I would have, they're just super underachieving. Is it Zimmer? Is it Kirk? Like, there's a lot there. Um, DJ Moore, I don't look, I don't know what's going to happen. There's people I talk to in Carolina that I'm friends with that would say 
they're not going to extend DJ more. He's going to walk next year and like, they're going to trade him. And there's other people like, he's going to get, you know, five for a hundred. So um, in reality, DJ Moore would be my ideal trade target. Again, I don't know if he's really available. It's a lot of speculation. Carolina is a disaster. Um, and yeah, take your Sam pick back and, <laughs> and call it a day. Nice. And, you know, like DJ Moore's got 11, 1200 yards a year with Sam, Teddy Bridgewater and, and Cam Newton's corpse. So I, I would be more than happy to have him as a jet. Um, I know we kind of mentioned, you know, safety position a little bit. And you kind of talked you know, about some guys like Jesse Bates and Marcus Williams and Justin Reed. You're in Houston. Um, you're obviously very close with the Texans. What do you think of Justin Reed as a player? Because I'm pretty adamant that he should be one of the first calls that Joe Douglas makes the second the tampering period opens. He's younger than all those other guys. He probably will be cheaper. I think he's a really good fit. Do you think Justin Reed's a great fit for this team? And if so, why? Yeah, I really do. And, you know, just going off of like the trend we've seen from Douglas where he likes guys that were team captains and leaders and, and all that, like Justin Reed was the Texans Walter Payton man of the year award nominee. He does so much work in the Houston community and has really since his, his rookie season. I mean, this guy has really had to kind of earn his keep. He was a third round pick. He was the first ever pick that Brian Gain made when he was the Texans GM for a year and a half. And then Bill O'Brien ran him out of town. Uh, but Justin Reed could flat out play. He is a really smart player. He's a Stanford guy. So like he just makes the right football play. Uh, he didn't have a great season with the Texans, but I think that was more just like the Texans being the Texans than really Justin Reed. Like he's a good player, man. Like there's, you watch the film of this guy. I think he's a perfect fit for the type of, uh, you know, scheme that the Jets would run with their safeties with Salah. So I agree with you, Will. If they could sign Justin Reed, I don't think he'd cost as much as Jesse Bates or Marcus Williams as, as well. So you get a really good player that's kind of flying under the radar. I that That's the guy I'm pounding the table for. Like, if you tell me, like, which free agent do you want the Jets to sign? Obviously, Dalton Schultz, because we all know how big of a need tight end is. But if you're talking about, like, a defensive player that I think is realistic, I think Justin Reed's at the very top of my list. Yeah, read read for me as well. Um, again, if the Neil Hunter is available, if he gets, you know, there's been people floating, he might get cut just based on the salary cap implication. Minnesota's in the deep, deep red um, money wise. Yeah, Denny Hunter's a guy you go after. Harold Landry's been, uh, people ask me about Harold Landry. He's a fantastic player. Doesn't really fit what the Jets are doing. Um, he's a he's a three, four, you know, rushing guy. And maybe he can put his hand in the dirt. He had a sack with his hand in the dirt the other day. It's just, I don't know. I get nervous with the Jets who seem to have bad luck with everything of asking a guy to convert <laughs> positions and then pay him big money. Just, I don't know. It's, you know, it's the same thing with a guy like David Ajabo in the draft where, yeah, like David Ajabo naturally, oh, this pass rushing traits, he'd be great with the Jets. Like, I don't know. He couldn't get on the field for rundowns and like, he's a stand-up guy. I just, you know, the Jets could figure it out and I try, I would trust Salah to do so. I just, I'm not sure the Jets can take risks like that. Um, the offensive side of the ball is interesting. You mentioned Dalton Schultz. I'm very confused why I see a lot of people that are not excited about the Dalton Schultz signing. If they if he even makes it to free agency, let alone signs with the Jets. Um, I believe it's something like 140 catches, 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns over the last two years. He's 25. He's a good blocker. I, I'm, I'm struggling to find a tight end that the Jets have had in the last 25 years that, I mean, maybe Dustin Keller for like three seconds you know, Chris Baker back in the early two thousands, like, oh, man. you know, it's like, I don't know. I just, why, why are we scared for the jets to just be good? Like I, I get it. They've been bad for a long time and they've been burned a lot, but at some point, like you have to be like selling Trey McBride, who I think is going to be awesome um, in the NFL. And if the hands up with the jets, he's got a really good you know chance to be a really good football player, but Dalton Schultz is doing it at the NFL level. And is two years older than him or three years older. Like, 
I, I don't know. I just like, why are we like, oh, Trey McBride instantly is going to be good. There's no bust potential because, you know, draft picks are always just exactly what we think they're going to be. But like, we're scared to pay Dalton Schultz. I, I just, I don't know. I don't, do you understand that narrative? I'm, I'm very confused by a lot of what's going on with these guys. Yeah. I think it's a loser's mentality by those who feel that way. Like, if you want to be good, go out there and spend big money on really good football players. Like, the, the, the Patriots spent more money than any team last year. They went from seven to nine to a playoff team with a rookie quarterback. Like, if you want to be good, you need to spend money on players that are proven. As much as I like Trey McBride, as much as I like, you know, Garrett Wilson or Traylon Burks, you're still banking on a rookie figuring it out right away and if you're the Jets you can't afford to get off to a bad start next year while some of your younger players you're relying on are trying to figure it out in the NFL as good as Elijah Moore was as a rookie he wasn't good right away it took him about four or five games to really start to come into his own and make plays so you got to understand that if you're the Jets you have to just get more sure things on your team. Like this year was about rebuilding. We all understood that was going to be the case. They had a lot of injuries. I thought they'd win six games. They end up winning only four games. All right. This is the mulligan year for Salah, Wilson, and Douglas with this new regime. Now it's got to be about winning games. Like if the Jets don't double their win total next year, Will, that's a massive underachievement for where this team's at. So if it's like, oh, well, Dalton Schultz is really expensive. Okay. And he's really good. He's going to help Zach Wilson. So get really good, get a really good tight end for the first time since you're right. Dustin Keller, like, come on, man. A tight end in this offense, look what George Kittle does in the Niners offense. Look what uh, Tyler Higby does in the Rams offense. It's the same type of system the Jets run with LaFleur. Go out there and get a bona fide tight end to help Zach Wilson. Dalton Schultz is the one guy, if you say pick a free agent, he's the guy I think they should do whatever it takes to sign. Yeah, it's it's frustrating, man. I, I... I struggle with it because I understand where fans are coming from, right? Like there's been a lot of heartbreak for a long time and we've been burned by a lot of free agents and burned by draft picks and stuff. But at the end of the day, like Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You got to get this mentality out of your head that if you do truly believe Joe Douglas is the guy and you truly believe Robert Sal is the guy, 
you can't have the same mentality you did with Mike McCagan or John Insick. Like at some level, you also have to change your thinking. And again, I understand it's frustrating and it's hard, especially a quarterback and um, tight end positions. They've just been terrible with drafting the Jason Morrow's of the world and the, oh. all he's got, right? Like I, I get it. And receivers for a long time until Elijah Moore, like it was the Mims and it's, uh, you know, obviously Devin Smith and <laughs> Stephen Hill and all these. And I, again, I, I understand all that thinking, but at some point you have to like, you have to move on and you have to be like, it's a new season. It's a new off season. And if you ever want things to go right, the Jets were a good franchise for like 15 years and then just totally tanked, um, you know, mostly, right. Obviously they didn't make a soup. They didn't make the super bowl, but they were, they were in the playoffs, I think six or seven times in like a 12 year stretch. Um, we'll move a little bit to the draft and then, you know, kind of get to some other stuff, but I know you kind of posed this question to me on your show. I'll kind of pose it right back to you. They have four top 40 picks. Um, as of, as we sit here late January, obviously no trades for agency have been taken yet. You don't know where the board's going to fall. What's your ideal draft kind of look like for you and not just players wise, but position wise, like how would you like to see them address, uh, address some needs? So my philosophy in particular with the top 10 picks is the following either someone that could get after the quarterback or help the quarterback. So edge wide receiver center guard tackle. I'll listen to all that in the top 10. I just, for the life of me, cannot get on board with the jets taking a, a safety fourth overall. And I know the Kyle Hamilton truthers are going to tell me he's not just a safety. He's a playmaker and he's not just Jamal Adams. He's Jamal Adams, but he's got hands. He might be a great player, but Unless you're telling me with 100% certainty, the guy's Sean Taylor or the guy is Ed Reed, I'm very weary of taking a safety that high, given the needs the Jets have, and given the fact that Zach Wilson, we need to know what he is, and you got two top 10 picks. I think those picks should go after edge, if you want to help the defense, or players that are going to help the quarterback, line, or obviously wide receivers. So I look at like where the Jets are at, Will. If like Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson is somehow there at four, run to the podium. I'm 100% with you with that take. But chances are they won't be there at four. So if you're the Jets, do you consider tackle? Or you, if Evan Neal is somehow there, you could take him, play him at guard for the year, and really give this offensive line just the, the utmost potential to have greatness in the ground game and greatness protecting Zach. I would love it. Or if you're there at 10, do you go wide receiver? To me, I would, barring a Ridley trade or Amari Cooper, so on and so forth. And you know what? I know it's maybe not a quote-unquote need, but if the Jets went Linderbaum, I wouldn't criticize them for that pick. I really wouldn't because that would tell me they think he's that generational of a player. And if you bring Linderbaum in and he's the next Nick Mangold or Kevin Mawai for a decade, no Jet fan would complain about that. So I'm very open to what they do with the top 10. And then I think based on what they do with the top 10, potentially impacts what they do at number 35 and number 38. I could see them using that capital and trading back into the first round. If they fall in love with a player at the senior ball, maybe it's McBride, maybe it's a different receiver that's sliding. I could see them do that. I'm also okay with the idea of them trading out with number four and number 10. So it's so tough because I really do believe maybe more so now than ever before under the Douglas regime here, what they do in free agency will really impact what they do in the draft because it's about winning games now, right? It's not about, oh, we're building for the future. That was this year. Now it's like, all right, Joe Douglas, you've won six games the last two years. This team's got to be infinitely better going into year four of your regime. Yeah, it's interesting um, you kind of mentioned that. And I think I've, I've tweeted this a few times, and I know it, it gets received with very uh, – very knives that approach from people. And it's not that I'm saying Joe Douglas will be fired after this year or Robert Sala will be fired. I do think there is some pressure to be good next year. And I don't mean 
good in the sense of expect what the Bengals did, who I know it's a very different style and philosophy, but the Bengals are very 2009 Jets where like they're probably a year too early, but like they could beat anybody on any given day just because like they have elite players at, at really important positions. Obviously the Jets were defense and run game built, but um, it's, I don't know, man, like they, there's just got to be an improvement next year. And it's like, there, there's no reason to not be aggressive at this point, right? You, you've accumulated these picks. And the reason I'm, I'm kind of, it's in, actually, I'm happier on today is you're a diehard Knicks fan, right? And I'm, I'm obviously a diehard Nets fan and nobody cares about the Nets. And I get all that, although <laughs> better Jersey sales and ticket sales than the Knicks this year, but whatever. Um, the Knicks for a long time. And I, I feel it's like most of our lives have been a, um, and obviously Knicks and Jets fans go hand in hand. If hoard picks, hoard cap space and continue every year, it's like next year we have picks next year. We have cap space. At some point you have to go for it. Um, and you have to be aggressive and you have to be willing to fail. And I think to the Nets credit, yes, they got a huge break with getting Kyrie and, uh, and Kevin Durant, but the Nets were like, who gives a crap about these first round picks? I'm going to start just shelling out first round picks because I know that at the end of the day, if you win, that's all that matters. And you only get certain windows as a team. The Jets aren't in their window yet, obviously, but if you want to accelerate your window and take a real true advantage of having a quarterback on a, on a rookie contract, you know, why not go for it in year two and boost yourself to seven, eight, nine wins. And then in year three, when Zach's probably pretty close to being fully developed, now you're like, we can make a shot at the division. We can take a shot at Buffalo, right? Or like the Patriots were pretty bad last year and, and they went out and spent and, you know, we'll see in the long run how that all works. You know, John o. Smith looks like a terrible signing and Kendrick Bourne was good and Aguilar doesn't look great. And, you know, Hunter Henry was really good. Like you're not going to hit on everyone. Judon was awesome. But at the same time, the Patriots went from being a middling seven win team that drafted a quarterback with a very low ceiling and they still won 10 games. And, you know, with some pieces, you know, continuing to add, like you feel pretty good about the Patriots next year. Miami's a mess. Um, they went for it and they, you know, they missed their, they missed their window with their quarterback. It seems like where, you know, they, they took the wrong guy, but their roster is good enough. You know, if they would have hit on some of these picks. So I just want the Jets to be aggressive. And I, I know it's a long winded way of saying like, be aggressive. Um, yeah. You don't want to mortgage your future, but like, why do we need to keep rolling over $70 million of cap space every single year? And, oh, the next year we have three top five. Cool, dude. We'll hit on some of these guys. That's like 2021 class showed that. So um, I want to get your opinion on, uh, you can obviously can respond to that, but the receiver position, uh, I know you asked me about this on your show, but I think it's probably their biggest need, if not their a top two need. And some people seem to think receiver, you know, maybe address in day two or day three of the draft. It's not a huge need. Where do you stand with receiver? Because... I think it's pretty important uh, if we watch anything the last uh, the last month. A massive need, you know. You could you could certainly argue it's their biggest need. And to those who are saying, "Oh, you know, you you resign Barrios, and then you have more, and then you have Corey Davis," you know, look, look, they actually have some talent there. Yeah, they do. But all the great teams in the NFL, you know what they have? Well, way more talent than what the Jets have at the receiver room. That includes tight end, by the way. Like I, I, I consider that that position, you know, not just wide receiver or tight end. I consider it pass catchers, right? Dalton Schultz could be better than some of your wide receivers. He's that special of a tight end talent. Like George Kittle is not just your typical tight end. The guy can go out there and make plays no matter where you put him. Like you need to go out there if you're the Jets and surround Zach with as many weapons as possible. The reason why the Bengals were able to survive their quarterback getting sacked nine times is because when he did have time to make plays, 
he made plays because of the great weapons he has around him. So, I, you know, wide receiver, you certainly could argue is a need. They need to, of course, resign Braxton Berrios, maybe make a trade for a DJ Moore or Calvin Ridley or Amari Cooper or try and sign a Mike Williams or Devontae Adams or Allen Robinson. But if push comes to shove and they still take a wide receiver at 10, I don't think there should be any Jet fan that should complain about that. It's a loaded wide receiver class. Joe Douglas went out there and he addressed it last year with Elijah Moore, second pick of the first round. But what a lot of people forget is that he was going to take Elijah Moore at number 23 if they didn't make the ABT trade to move up. So there's a thought from some Jet fans, oh, Douglas is not going to take a wide receiver that high. I disagree. I think he will. And depending on how the offseason plays out, I, at this point, I'd be surprised if they don't go wide receiver at number 10. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Joe Douglas's first two drafts um, and his first free agency that he was, you know, it was Joe Douglas, it was like he's addressed O-line in both first rounds and he's addressed receiver in both second rounds and sign- his biggest signing was Carl Austin and Corey Davis. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think re- you got to give guys weapons, man. And I know, you know I'm kind of beating a dead horse here. We were beating it on your show as well, but like – there's no way you watch these playoffs or you watch anything that happened this year, you know, but the playoffs are the last five to six years of the NFL. Good defense. You need to have a good defense, right? You need to have a solid defense that can take the ball away and get after the quarterback or hurry the quarterback. But man, like if you don't have weapons on offense and you can't go punch for punch with these guys, I don't think people are really understanding like the, the AFC landscape right now, the jets to make a super bowl and get to where everyone wants them to get to, not just the playoffs, but to win the playoffs, like you're going against guys that are all look like surefire, you know, like hall of fame level players. And that's early. And, you know, you never know what could happen, but Josh Allen's a top five quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is probably the best quarterback in football. Justin Herbert looks like a top five or six quarterback. Joe Burrow looks like a top five or six. They're all like 24, 25 years old and going nowhere. Um, Then on top of that, you have Lamar who won an MVP two years ago and no one really even talking about Lamar because he obviously got hurt or, um, you know, you never, Deshaun Watson, you know, for all the stuff he's got was a top five quarterback 12 months ago. So all these guys are in the, you know, either in the Jets division or in the conference and Zach Wilson has that type of potential. I wanted to get you kind of, you've talked, you've been pretty consistent on this of just talking about like, you know, getting Zach, you know, the help he needs, but do you still feel, um, Zach has the talent and the ability if, if things go right and he improves to be able to compete with these guys, or are you stressed out after watching yesterday going, man, like <laughs> we're never going to get to that spot. Yeah. I, I look at it like this. It changes so much year to year with these guys. Like, it, like we didn't even mention Lamar Jackson until like the very end. And he's the guy that's got an MVP out of the quarterbacks you mentioned there besides Mahomes. So it just tells you how things can change. I think what you need to look at with quarterbacks is do they have the special traits? Zach does. Doesn't mean he's going to be as good as Allen or Mahomes or Herbert, but Zach can make all those throws that those guys were making over the weekend. No doubt about it. Like the throw that Allen made, you know, the bomb where it was like 55 yards in the air. Zach made that same throw to Corey Davis earlier this year. So we know the talent levels there, the arm talent. That is like the common term that you hear, you know, pundits use nowadays. We know Zach has those traits. The question is, you know, can the Jets help him reach that potential? And some of it's going to be on Zach. Like Josh Allen deserves a lot of credit for his improvement. It's not just he has Brian Dable and they got him Stephon Diggs and other good players. Josh Allen worked at it and he became a special player. I think Zach's got the work ethic. I think he's got the talent. 
Will it all come together for him? That's on him, and that's obviously on Joe Douglas and the Jets getting him help. So I'm bullish on Zach's potential if they help him. So it's kind of like a cop-out answer because I think Zach could be really good. I don't know if he's going to be top five good, but if he's top 10, that's good enough to win a championship with if they get him the right help. Yeah, it's interesting. I saw a lot of people uh, you know, on Twitter yesterday. I think DJ tweeted. It was like, oh, Zach could make that throw that Josh Allen made, um, the Gabriel Davis touchdown. Zach pretty much did make that throw of uh, same air yards to Corey Davis earlier this year. So Zach's arm talent is, you know, he's not Josh Allen's arm talent. And I don't think really anybody is, um, but he has the arm talent and the athletic ability and all the, all the traits to be an awesome football player. That said, the jets have to lift him up. He's got to develop and all these different things. Um, I kind of wanted to get your, your take on some of a couple of the other things that happened this weekend before we wrap here, the Packers go out Um you know, Rodgers and Brady are both in this weird spot where like every year, I know it's going to be like this, whether they retire this year or not, it's going to be every year of, you know, are they going to retire or walk away? What do you think gut feeling 24 hours later happens with Rodgers and, and Brady? And are they back in their respective teams? Are they going elsewhere? Do they even stay, you know, do they retire? How does that all kind of work? Brady's back. I can't see the greatest competitor of all time wanting to retire after losing that type of game. There's just no way. I think Brady will want to come back. And I think next year is likely his last year, his last kick at the can to try and do it. He says he wants to play till he's 45. That'd be one more year next year. So I think Brady's back. Rodgers, I mean, I would have told you going into that game, Will, that there's no way Rodgers is not with the Packers next year. But I feel like that scenario was like the nuclear scenario where maybe you know, something would happen where he's not. So, you know, gun to my head, I still think he's back with Green Bay, but I am no longer confident in that take. You know, 48 hours ago, I would have told you, no way is he not going back with the Packers because I assumed they were going to win, man. Like, where is he going to a a better situation? They've won 13-plus games the last three years. It's like, where is he going? But now the way it ended, you know, the the salary cap issues they're going to have, you start to wonder, all right, are they going to blow things up in Green Bay? So, I don't know. I with Rodgers, I still think you know, gun to my head, he's back, but I don't feel as good about that take as I once did. Yeah, it's weird. I, I don't think Brady's retiring, but there is some like weird stuff yesterday where like even Giselle, like they flashed her a booth a couple of times, and it just felt like there's just like I don't know. Tom's fit in this weird spot where like if he walked away, I would be surprised because he's playing at an MVP level and like him going out on a loss, but at the same time. I don't know, man. Like she's been trying to get him to retire for six or seven years. And I don't blame, you know, I don't blame her. Like (laughs) he's been playing professional football, you know, for 20, whatever, 23, 24 years. Um, I think he's back, but I also don't think I'm as confident as I was 24 hours ago. I thought, oh, he's going to play till he's 50 because why not? I do think at some point it's like, does he come back to the Bucks who are in a terrible cap situation and like, and I don't know, or is he go somewhere else or is he retired? Like there's a million things. Rogers. I don't think Rogers retires. Um, he definitely doesn't retire. He's either playing. For the Packers just, or another I don't team. know. The Packers in a bad spot, man. Like they have so much talent and it's crazy that they didn't, you know, I thought this was a for sure Super Bowl winning team. Zedari Smith already posted. Thank you. Green Bay. Devontae Adams is a free agent. He'll get tagged, but he's a free agent. They have to, like, you know, Jair Alexander and Bakhtiari. And all these, like there's just a lot of pieces and, I don't know. The, the Green Bay stuff seemed to be mulled over and it seemed to be fine. But at the same time, if you told me Rodgers was a Steeler next year or a Bronco, like, I wouldn't be shocked. It'd be crazy to go to the AFC after watching the way these AFC quarterbacks are playing. But um, I don't know. I just – the Rodgers thing is weird, man. Like, I, who know, who really knows what Aaron Rodgers is doing on a daily basis other than, like, Grand Rodgers, right? Like, 
even his closest close Brady circle probably knows what Brady's doing, but does Rogers like best friends even know what he's going to do? Like does Pat McAfee know what Rogers is doing? No, no. Well, he didn't think they were going to lose like that early. Like there's no way he thought that there was a chance they were going to lose that game on Saturday, but like everyone's like talking about like Rogers is to blame for that loss. You scored three points after the opening drive. Like the Niners didn't even score an offensive touchdown and they still won that game. Like I know the green Bay Packers special teams is a joke and it's been a problem all year, but like, I'm sorry, man, like Tom Brady wins that game. Like, I know it's tough to compare Rodgers to the greatest of all time, but, like, there's no chance Tom Brady doesn't find a way to win that game if it's the same circumstance, same situation. And, like, after watching what Allen Mahomes did on Sunday, it makes Rodgers look even worse that his team put up a measly 10 points. And I get it. It was cold. It was snowing. But that should be an advantage for the Niners playing at Lambeau. And Rodgers' record at Lambeau in the playoffs is now 5-4. and four. Like, I'm sorry, that's not good enough for a guy that is arguably a top-five player of all time. And – he's going to go out there and maybe finish his career with only one Super Bowl. Like I said the same thing about breeze. So I got to be fair, like Rogers and breeze are both too damn good and were too damn good to likely only finish with a combined two Super Bowls. And that's just crazy to me. Yeah. It's crazy. We're going to probably, there's a chance we finish with it's, it's also nuts that Peyton Manning like gets a lot. People still like give him the two Super Bowl credit when he was like, arguably the worst quarterback in football of the year. nine touchdowns, 18 picks. I get he it. He deserved Peyton. it though. Cause he carried, yeah. cause he carried some pretty like average rosters pretty far. And like he, if anyone deserved to like get a great defense to give him one last ring, it's Peyton, but you're right. I mean, like for as great as Rogers breeze and Manning were in the regular season, Arf. Dude, like all four of these guys do the Packers as an organization, they failed. Like, obviously you don't complain about, you know, two Super Bowls with, with two different hall of fame quarterbacks. But like, if you told a Packer fan, they'd go from Farb to another hall of famer for another 15 plus years. And you're only going to end up with a combined two Super Bowls. Like that's disappointing given just how elite their quarterback play was for, you know, an over 20 year stretch. Yeah. You look at, you know, big Ben and Eli and <laughs> these guys with multiple rings. And it's just like, you know, they're good players and it's not a slight against them, but it like is Joe crazy. Flacco's got the same amount of rings as Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, like it's crazy. It's, there's a chance Jimmy Garoppolo wins a title this year. And like, you know, it, it's just, it is, it is disappointing. Um, I'm the biggest Rodgers fan. And like, I know I'm biased with Rodgers. I think I get a lot of the criticism and the jokes and stuff. I think people are maybe being a little, a little hypocritical in some senses. People will stand Brady who, you know, for his, and not talk about his political beliefs because he just doesn't speak. And it's like, it's whatever. There's a whole thing you could go on a tangent about, um, you know, people of this, you know, this person's feelings and letting their, your personal feelings affect how you, if you a player. Yeah. Rogers wasn't good the other night. I think it's crazy that Packers, if they don't fumble, Mercedes Lewis doesn't fumble on the second drive. I think the Packers probably win by 30 points, but all of a sudden the momentum of that game changed and it's like the Packers then couldn't figure it out. I thought LaFleur was pretty awful and some of like his adjustments he didn't make, like the Niners, they weren't doubling. Then once they started doubling Devontae Adams, he just kind of left him there and was like, Oh, like we'll get Alan Lazard to, you know, I don't know. There's like Rogers wasn't good, but you know, you got to be able to make a kick or you got to be able to not get a punt blocked. And, you know, I, I, again, I didn't think Rogers was very good and he should get heat because he's the MVP and you lose at home in your first playoff game. You deserve heat. It is weird. Rogers seems like he's significantly better on the road in the playoffs. Like even the, the kind of surprise run they made a few years ago when they beat Dallas. Um, if you remember that really awesome, like early Dallas team where Rogers kind of like single-handedly beat the Cowboys, they just felt like better in that year. Um, they felt better like on the road and, 
Um, yeah, it, it is crazy when you like think about. I saw a tweet this morning from Lawrence Times that Eli Manning's a better quarterback than Rodgers because of the Super Bowls. Like, we're not going to do that. That's not going to be a thing. The gap between Eli Manning and Aaron Rodgers is as drastic as Zach Wilson to Patrick Mahomes is right now. Well, Connor um, Hughes even was like, "Oh, you can't." He's not a top Rogers. ten guy. It's like, what, dude? Like, name me ten. Name me ten better. Name quarterbacks me five better quarterbacks. I, I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm all down for like. Rodgers was a dick this year. Like, there's no question. I don't agree with a lot of what he said. Um, but four MVPs and, like, four all pro, first team all pros, and he's the most, like, accurate thrower of the football in NFL history. Like, let's just chill out. Um, we'll finish with this. The one thing I was curious about, and we, we've seen a lot of coaches kind of go hero ball uh, a bit this year with some of these ridiculous calls going forward on, you know, Brand Staley fourth and two from his own 18 running, like running right up the middle or Andy Reed running, you know, an option with a backup tight end, you know, and that could have cost them the game or a lot of different decisions, right? McVay taking his foot off the gas yesterday. What do you think is going on with a lot of these coaching decisions? Yes. The refs are bad and there's a lot of wonky stuff that's going on, but like, do you not feel like a lot of these coaches as great as they are have just made some very curious decisions you know almost feels like they're trying to like be that be the star and it's just very odd yeah I, you can really look at each game and point to a specific coaching decision that that ended up impacting the outcome even like the chiefs who won the game like that andy Reid call where you're taking the ball out of Mahomes's hands to run a a trick gadget play with your third string tight end was just unbelievably stupid and it didn't end up costing them but McDermott not having the squib kick at the end was a, a brutal decision there you know the Todd Bowles calling the all-out blitz and leaving a safety on one-on-one coverage with the best receiver in the sport and Cooper Cup made no sense you know you go to each of the games the, the quarterback keeper with Tannehill was a horrific play call when you have Derrick Henry as your running back like you go to each of the games and the decisions you just talked about some of the issues the Packers had it was a weird weekend and, you know, coaching matters, man. Coaching always matters. And, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where you could have a great team, but if you don't have a great coach, you can't get over the hump. Look what happened to the Cowboys. Like they're the more, to me, they, they were the better team than the Niners and they blew it because they didn't know how to execute down the stretch there. So coaching matters more than ever really in the NFL for sure. It's funny. The, uh, the best stat of the weekend Dak Prescott's scramble at the end of that game took less time than the Chiefs to go 44 yards and tie yesterday. Crazy. We'll crazy. never, uh, we'll never not be crazy. Jake, obviously appreciate. It. We did a nice home and home here. Been kind of going at it for like an hour and a half combined. So um, we'll wrap. Everyone that follows me probably already follows you, but tell everyone where they can find you: YouTube, ESPN Radio, all that stuff. Sure. So uh, I post every day about the Jets on my YouTube channel. It's just my name, Jake Asman, A-S-M-A-N. It's pronounced as, as an A-Z-M-I-N. Got to give that uh, you know, pronunciation tips to those out there. So Jake Asman on YouTube is where you can find me. And my Twitter and Instagram, I tweet a lot about the Jets and the NFL and everything going on in the sports world. At Jake Asman is where you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram. Thanks as always. We'll be back. I'll have a senior bowl preview. Um, I'll be down. We'll be on next week. So I'll have a senior bowl preview later this week on the pod article coming out. Um, you know, Jake, thanks as always. And uh, everyone enjoy their week.